Hello and welcome to the first in a new series of all-time best Premier League 11s. Uh, this is the first episode in our new series. Uh, so what we're going to be doing is speaking with other podcasts um, who are all focused on Premier League teams to get their views on their best Premier League 11 um, and uh, yeah, just discuss some quality players. There's a suspicion, I think, on our get on our hosts part that there will be some bias towards, you know, their team of choice. Obviously, you know, um, whoever they're covering, they are going to lean towards a team. But it's going to be interesting, I think, for us to see how this uh, breaks down. Uh, joining me on this uh, from the previous uh, World Best 11s, uh, I've got Idi. How you doing, mate? Evening, Andrew. I'm great. Um, looking forward to recording a new season with a specific um, aim of giving each team, um, each guest a specific range of only Premier League. It'll be interesting to see how, if they're all kind of similar or if there's a, a big majority of um, them go for their own players or if we have just a, a good mix of players. So it'll be, it should be an interesting series, this one. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, and uh, also, uh, as one of the regular commentators, uh, we've got Scott. How you doing, mate? I can't stop thinking. Tony Hayes is dead, and we've got a second series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad to be back. Uh, no, it's it's uh, good to be back in the saddle. Um, and so, joining us for our first episode, uh, we have from the Unholy Trinity Everton podcast, Mike Richards. Evening, lads. How are we? Uh, doing great. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure, uh, as we were saying just off air, Mike, uh, to have you on this. Um, no pressure. It's the first one. So, you know, any any screw-ups, we're going to blame entirely on you. Definitely not going to be our fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, we're looking forward to this. Uh, it should be good. Um, those of you who have probably listened to the previous series will know that we typically have a little competition ongoing throughout the, uh, throughout the series. Um, as we go through, I'm basically going to list off some stats about the players, and then Scott and Iddy will try and guess in turn. Unfortunately, due to a technical issue, Iddy already knows what the team is. So we're just going to make Scott guess throughout, but it's not going to count towards the competition if anyone's really concerned about you know, the integrity of a podcast uh, competition that we're going to be doing <laughs> amongst ourselves for nothing but, I think, beer money. Um, if we don't have our integrity, then we have nothing. That's very that's very true, Eddie. That's very true. And you know, it was it was good of you to admit it and own up to it as well. Otherwise, you know, you could have just been suspiciously competent at the uh, at the old team guessing. So, uh, without any further ado, um, I'm going to launch straight into it, and uh, we'll start off with your goalkeeper, Mike. Uh, this uh, guy is a Danish footballer. He's played as a goalkeeper. Um, I'm not going to give you the teams that he played for in the Premier League because it might be a bit easy to guess. Um, but he played for Bromby and Sporting CP and made 129 appearances for his home country and, in fact, scored one goal as well. Um, um, before I let Scott guess this, right, you're not going to give the teams because it would be too easy to guess. Yeah. But his number one goalkeeper in his Premier League 11 was a Danish goalie. Yeah, how many Danish I'm, goalkeepers I'm glad you've kept are that there really? Really hard there, Andrew. 
I'm yeah, really, I'm really surprised that Mike has went for Peter Enkelman. I mean, it's just absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, I think we're, we're all going to go down the the Schmeichel route here. I think. Yeah, I've got a feeling that he's uh, he's going to be making a few appearances over the course of this season. But yeah, Mike, uh, tell us why uh, Peter Schmeichel made your uh, made your goalkeeping slot. I think um, you know very very commanding presence, five league titles, uh, a mainstay in you know a very very successful Manchester United team. Um, slightly unorthodox, I found Schmeichel as well in terms of his his goalkeeping his goalkeeping style at times. A lot, a lot of save he made with his with his legs. Uh, when other keepers will go with the with the hands, but I I, I think it's uh, I, I like that 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 side of him. You see it now with his with his lad, don't you, Casper? Very very similar in terms of the you know the style and how he makes saves. Um, and he was also a bit of a goal scoring goalkeeper as well. Um, we've had one of them at Everton in, in Tim Howard. Um, well, Peter Michael scored against Everton for Aston Villa. Um, scored in Europe for for Manchester United, and just a, you know quite a. An eccentric character as well. Um, so uh, obviously other goalkeepers, you know, Petitcheck was probably up there with a discussion as well. I think um, David Seaman maybe. I think Seaman was, was maybe better thought of by other people than myself. Um, if it was a, a team from pre-Premier League, Neville Southall walks into the side. You know, the, the best goalkeeper I've ever seen in, in my lifetime. Um, and I, I really started to see him sort of in the 90s when he was probably past his, his, uh, his best years as well. But with it being a, a Premier League goalkeeper, uh, I'd have to go with, uh, with Peter Schmeichel. No, very good. Um, yeah, Eddie, thoughts, views on uh, Peter Schmeichel? Yeah, I don't think it's any surprise. We've seen him uh, pop up a number of times in we're all-time World eleven. So he's obviously going to come up a number of times in the Premier League eleven. I'll be honest. I um, when I was planning for this episode, I was thinking, right, who, who could Mike go for here? Schmeichel's the obvious choice, and then I, I, my ever thought was it will either be Schmeichel or Neville Southall. But um, you've covered that there, saying that kind of his best years were probably pre-Premier League. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to hear you actually mention him. It means my train of thought wasn't too wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, Schmeichel, you can't argue with that, can you? We've had the discussions around Schmeichel a few times, and and all through my kind of childhood. Um, growing up, for me, obviously as a Rangers fan living in Wales, I was around a lot of English supporting, like English team supporting uh, peers, and majority of them supported Man United or Liverpool. And the Schmeichel Andy Gorham debate came up a lot. And I'll continue to say, I think in '92, '93, Andy Gorham was the best keeper in the world. But as a kind of period of probably that kind of '91 to probably '90, well, maybe it's even towards the end of the late 90s, uh, Schmeichel was probably the best in the world at the time. And I, I think it would be hard to put too much of an argument against that. So it's absolutely no surprise to see him included as the goalkeeper in the first team of a Premier League All-11. So, yep, great choice. And Scott, any kind of dissent there or uh, or a worthy choice? Oh, when I found out that uh, Mike was guesting on the pod tonight, um, when you started giving the clues, I was waiting to hear he's Welsh. But uh, so I think we were all on the same train of thought that it might have been Neville Southall. Um, I can understand going for Schmeichel. Schmeichel, one of the greatest keepers of all time. I agree that we Mike that Southall would probably have pipped him to it at his prime, um, maybe slightly pre Premier League. But from for, for someone who who dons the gloves himself, 
Neville Southall was a goalkeeping hero of mine and I thought he was outstanding but uh, another thing that I agree with that he said is Schmeichel was unorthodox in the sense he did like to make a lot of saves with his feet and I think we even see that today we, I know David De Gea gets quite a lot of stick for making these saves with his feet but at the end of the day if you're making a save you're making a save um, and it, it leaves you pull out to be able to pull off some of the really big saves as well so no Schmeichel can't argue yeah, brilliant keeper Great stuff. Okay. Uh, well, we're going to move right along to uh, your choice of right back here, Mike. Um, can't name any of the Premier League teams because that's all he's played for. Um, made 59 appearances for his country and is currently managing in America. Uh, Scott, any uh, any guesses there? Did I get a nationality? No. That's, that's the only thing. Is that, oh! is that, is that a dead giveaway? It might be a bit of a giveaway, yeah. Um, no, no, I'll need to pass on that one. I don't, like I said, 59 international appearances. Wow. Um, I can't believe you're passing because we actually discussed this in detail the last time he came up and the fact that he only had 59 appearances. It's no Gary Neville, is it? It is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, that's your man, uh, Mike. Let's uh, let's talk through that. I think I think we'll throw him there. I think you mentioned about him managing in, in America, but obviously that's Phil. So uh, yeah, that, uh, I think that, that's what's thrown. The, the thank team. you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, let, let's let's peek behind the curtain for a second here. In the team that Eddie kindly sent over to me after looking at it first, uh, I just got Neville. As the uh, as the name of the uh, right back there, so you know. To be fair, Andrew, I don't think you need to distinguish which <laughs> Neville. There's only one Neville in the team. See, to be fair, he could have said it was a Welsh goalkeeper in there as well. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let, let's uh, let's talk through one of the Nevilles then, Mike. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it, right back's a, a bit of a tough one really, and the degrees I've gone for for Neville, you know, a, a proper old school fullback. Uh, none of your none of your modern day marauding wing backs, if you like. Um, again, the, the longevity in in such a successful Manchester United side, the trust the manager had in him for such a long period of time. You know, he'd probably say himself that he he wasn't he wasn't the best in the world, so to speak. But I think I think he was he was very undervalued guy now in terms of what he brought what he brought to the uh, to the team, you know, leadership as as he got that that little bit older as well. I think having the passion for the club that he played for always always helps. Um, you know, he, he was one of those. You know, he, he would certainly, you know, he wasn't sure of winding teams up. You know, we saw that time when they scored against Liverpool. And he starts kissing his badge in front of the Liverpool fans. I think he got a, a hefty fine for that one. But as a, you know. If, if he's on your seat, if he's on your side, you, you love to see that kind of behaviour. You know, I just think that you know, decent in the tackle, um, will give absolutely everything. As I say, while it, while he was at his at his pomp, you know, playing week in week out, and you know, the, the lack of England caps is a bit of a surprise, really. You know, was it 59 caps for his country, considering you know the the, the sides that he was in, the length of time that he was he was capped by his country for, uh, but. Most most definitely worth worth mentioning, um, and and for me, is probably the the best right back we've seen uh, in the in the Premier League era. Yeah, of course. Uh, so yeah, uh, Scott Eddie, 
your views? Any dissent? Any um, you know complaints about that, or we think it's a worthy I'll, inclusion? I'll, I'll let Scott go first, but I, I just need to say, actually, I think I threw you a curveball, even though it led to you getting the right answer, Scott. It wasn't Gary Neville we discussed about the few caps. It was Paul Scholes. So I owe you an apology, even though it led to you getting the right answer. But I'll let you uh, discuss the player. <laughs> It's amazing how, how my train of thought works there then. Um, nah, Gary Neville, like I said, uh, I think very similar to Mike. I'm, I'm a fan of the old-fashioned fullback. Roll the sleeves up, get the tackles in. Your main job's defending. We don't need you to put balls in when we've got a winger there. But no, uh, like you said, I'm a mainstay of that Man United team. Um, maybe not the most skillful player in the world, but put a shift in. And it did help that he obviously had an affiliation and a love for the club and grew up as a supporter as well. So... Nah, you, you can't really argue with Gary Neville. I think, I think latterly the injuries maybe got the better of him. I think that's maybe one of the reasons why his cap caps were so low. Um, but as as a right back, there's very, I mean, I think he was two or three times played uh, in the Premier League team of the year. And for a right back to to obviously solidify his position in that is is a good feat. So no, Gary Neville, an excellent player and quality right back for the team. Good stuff. Eddie, your views? Yeah, I've got no arguments. Um, I think the last time we discussed him, uh, I kind of brought up the fact that he's very underrated in the overall kind of discussions. And until you have a, a discussion around a specific topic like this, he's not someone that immediately jumps to mind because he was just really efficient at his job. Um, there was very few kind of massive talking points where he's had to make make up for like huge mistakes or anything like that he's just a man that went about his job really efficiently um as you say he only played for the one club and if if you only play for one club in your career and that club happens to be man united specifically that man united team that he played in you you know that you've got yourself a quality footballer there um like you say again he also loved to wind up liverpool fans which i think is uh, brilliant you always want a player in your team who's going to wind up a rival's support and just really annoy them, unless, of course, like you're us and, and you don't like a certain guy who likes to wind up our support. But, you know, it's it's always great to see because it just shows how much he knows it means to the fans. Um, and also, since he's left football, I rate him even higher because he's really enjoyable to watch as a pundit as well. So, yeah, I think it's a, another fantastic choice. And a, I don't think there's many players you could argue against, um, well, argue for, sorry, going ahead of Gary Neville in this team. I think I think equally as well, his punditry is very very much like his playing style. It's old fashioned. I mean, I'll never forget that one when he was talking about you used to get a bit of bread and butter and you had a milky coffee and now you got a cappuccino and olive oil and he's like, what's happening in the world? <laughs> so yeah, Gary Gary Neville's definitely up there for me. Great stuff. Uh, okay, well let's move on to the first of your two centre backs now, Mike. Um, First up, we've got a player who's played for two Premier League teams, um, which I won't name. Um, I will say that he spent a season out on loan to Nottingham Forest and made six appearances, made 78 appearances for his home country. And he was also the first player to score an international goal in the new Wembley Stadium. Scott, any thoughts? I don't like him because he held up a Celtic scarf. (laughs) By Jove, I think he's got it. John Terry. That's the that's the very one. Uh, Mike, yeah, talk us through uh, John Terry's inclusion here. Um, it was always a little bit of a 
a difficult one, I think, centre half, and I, and I think my, my second one might be a bit more of a surprise than than this one to some people. Um, but I think Johnny John's a typical typical leader, wasn't he? You know, as much as he, I don't think he's a particularly nice fella, to be honest with you. Um, and and he likes to show up in a in a full kit even when he's not playing. When he pick a trophy up, you know, that doesn't go, go down too well either. Um, I think as as a as a centre half, as a captain. Um, he, he was he was the best of the best in the, in the Premier League. Absolutely superb footballer. Certainly um, wasn't wasn't shy of scoring a goal or two either. Um, led that Chelsea side very 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 well. But he won five five league titles, I think it was for Chelsea. At, at a time, obviously, they've they've bought the way to success, of course, with the uh, the money that came in from Abramovich. But obviously, a lot of responsibility. On his shoulders, really. Um, forget, he had an unsuccessful side, to be perfectly honest, and he, he, he brought them through, and and he was one of the reasons why they were were so successful. And you know, a lot of that was down to to his leadership. You know, left it all on the line. Excellent for his country as well, um, and, and certainly should have won something with with England. You know, England had the had the golden generation for a good, probably two, three, four years, where they should have picked up some kind of silverware. Um, but he was just just an, an all-round very very good centre half and um, one player that you would certainly want on your side and and you know as I say he was he was a, a leader of men almost and, and and pulled that Chelsea side through and was one of the main reasons why he was so successful. All right, uh, Scott. Yeah, apart from uh, maybe certain tendencies towards uh, other Scottish Premier League teams, uh, what are your views on John Terry as a footballer? Let's say I, I, can't, I can't argue with the fact that he was a leader, and, and definitely agree with the extent of that he was very integral to the, the success of that Chelsea team. Um, he was he was an excellent centre half. Could read could read a game excellently. Very brave. I think I've said plenty of times about his aerial ability and. He, he was never frightened to put the head in where it hurts, and that's, I think, as a man watching football as well, that's something that you can get behind. You hate seeing a player pull out or go uh, shy away for a 50-50, and that was never in his game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying I, I agree. I, I, he's not probably the nicest guy. Um, I'm not saying I'm his biggest fan, but as a player, I can understand completely why he gets into a, an EPL 11 without a shadow of doubt. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Idi, any uh, dissent or, yeah, an agreement here? Uh, no, I think, again, we've always tried to separate the player from the, the person. And as far as a player goes, you don't get many centre-backs that are as good as John Terry was over those years. Um, I mean, he led his team to loads and loads of titles. And, and as Mike said, really should have won something with his country. He was great for his country as well. Um, my favourite story was always the one about when he scored against West Ham and celebrating in front of the fans and his dad and his uncle were giving him abuse, which I told the last time we've talked about him. But I'm afraid to say I've recently discovered that story is not true. It's a myth, which has been really disappointing once I found that out. But got to pull my hands up because it's one I like to pull out whenever we talk about him and turns out that it's actually a load of nonsense. But yeah, no, great, great choice of a player. Um you know what you're getting with John Terry. He's always going to give his all. Um, he's even going to turn up, as Mike said, ready for a match, even when he's not in the squad. He's, um, and I think he's he's a brilliant defender, one that had a bit of steel about him and uh, was a bit of no-nonsense about him and could score a goal as well. So, yeah, great choice. All right. 
Uh, well, yeah, let's uh, move on to your next centre back here, Mike. Uh, as you say, probably a uh, probably less obvious choice, I think. But we'll see how we uh, can get on with Scott and try and give him some hints. Let's say uh, he has made. Well, some appearances for quite a number of appearances for a Premier League team. Uh, played for Red Star Belgrade, Spartak Moscow and Inter Milan. Uh, 56 appearances for his home country and scored two goals. Uh, Scott, any thoughts? Any guesses? Nemanja Vedic. My God. Mike, can you confirm that's the case? Yeah, certainly is. Certainly is. I think he gets forgotten a lot of the time. I think a lot of people... Look at the the partnership between him and, and Rio Ferdinand and Sale Ferdinand was the was the better centre half and he gets into a lot of these kind of these kind of uh, Premier League all time elevens but I think I think for me Vidic was was the better defender Ferdinand was probably got out of certain situations because of his his pace a little bit more but Vidic certainly wasn't slow and and he, he was very very good at reading the game as well a hard man you know loved a tackle. Um, I think he won the he won the, the Premier League Player of the Year twice as well, which is a you know is, is a fantastic achievement for a centre half, uh, which shows you how, how hard he thought of he was during his his playing his playing years. You know he won five Premier League titles uh, for Manchester United, obviously part of one of the, the the many successful United sides under under Alex Ferguson. And he's just an all round very very good solid centre half, complemented. Real Ferdinand and vice versa very very well, um, and again he, he, he was so important to to that United side after they'd gone through the, you know the the nineties with the uh, the class of ninety two and and obviously he rebuilt a number of times Alex Ferguson and for me probably one of his best buys to be perfectly honest. Yeah, that's uh, four times selected for the team of the year, twice player of the season. So, uh, yeah, certainly highly rated uh, in that league. Uh, Idi, your thoughts on uh, on Vidic here? I love this pick. Um, I, I love a defender who's just an absolute monster. Someone that you, when you see him, you think, oh, I wouldn't mess with him. And nothing speaks monster of a defender than a Serbian centre-back like Nemanja Vidic. He's just an absolute beast. You can see it. Go back and watch any highlights of him, any game he's played in. There's usually a bit of a uh, kind of argy-bargy between him and, and one of the opposing players, and it usually ends up with his forehead pressed against the opposing player's forehead and the opposing player backing down instantly because he knows he's in some trouble there. But he wasn't just a hard man. Um, I, I can't comment on his pace because I don't remember particularly whether he was faster or not. Um but as Mike says, loved the tackle, but not only loved the tackle, his timing on a tackle was just absolutely perfect. You see that there was a number of times he would he'd fly into a sliding tackle in the box and you always think, oh, no, I don't want my defender going for that sliding tackle in the box if you can help it. But he always, almost always seemed to come away with the ball. It was just unreal um, with his timing. So, yeah, I think this is an absolutely tremendous pick and probably my favourite pick for a centre-back in an all-time Premier League 11, I would say. Great stuff. High praise as well. Uh, Scott, your views on uh, on this player? Any uh, any dissent? Or? Um, I'm actually going to echo a day there as well. Uh, he's my first pick for a centre-half in an English Premier League 11. I think he's the greatest centre-half that played in the Premier League. Um, unbelievable in a tackle. Unbelievable in the air. 
I'm a sucker for a defender that wears a head bandage. So I can certainly say that that, that, that certainly gets a bit of my affection when a defender's come back on after getting busted open. So just an all-round good player. Could play a, play a good pass as well. Could read a game excellently, but more than anything, just a proper hard defender. And that's it. His, his ability shone through. Um, I think, yeah, for me, I think he surpasses Terry. So I, I agree with the sense that I think he was better than Ferdinand as well. Um, and as someone who probably follows Leeds, I shouldn't be giving so much high praise to a Man United player. But for me, Vidic was definitely the, the best Premier League set of half. That's great stuff. Alrighty. Well, we're going to move on to your left back now, Mike. Um, can't give you any teams outside of the Premier League because he only ever played for Premier League teams. Uh, he made 30 appearances for his national team uh, and scored one goal. And that's all I'm going to give you, Scott, just to be mean. Can I just ask one question then? I suppose. Is he English? Yes, given that this counts for nothing anyway. <laughs> Leighton Baines. Mike, can you confirm if he's got that one right? Yes, it's, it's got to be, hasn't it? You know, I had to get an Everton <laughs> player in, uh, in some way, shape or form. And the only one really over the years, you, you obviously you can argue Wayne Rooney, but he spent the bulk of his time at, at United. Um, well, Leighton Baines, the unfortunate thing about Leighton Baines is that he was he was around in an era when Ashley Coles was around and, you know, for me, I'm biased, of course, but Leighton Baines was, was so underrated outside of Everton, underrated for his country, um, because obviously, as I say, he was against one of the best we've probably seen of our generation in, in, in Ashley Cole, but I had the pleasure of watching him up close and personal many, many times over the years. The, the relationship he had with Stephen Pienaar on left-hand side um, is, you know, it, it, it's probably was the best technical player I'd seen at Everton for many, many years. And even when the season he retired, he, for me, should have really played on. Uh, and he could have played on because he was that good. You, you go back to, to the last goal he scored for Everton against Leicester in the Carabao Cup. At Goodison, and what a strike that was. You know, he, he had it in his locker still. Um, but goals and assists throughout his career, absolutely you know, dead ball specialist. Um, yeah, many, many, many assists, many goals. He just absolutely a superb reader of the game. Knew his position inside out. Um, I, I could sit here. I mean, my my Twitter name is 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 Baines Three because you know he he's my favourite Everton player of all time. And you know, he turned down moves to Manchester United. He, he could have gone there when David Moyes went, and in the end, he just signed Fellaini when he wanted both Baines and Fellaini, and Leighton Baines didn't sign and push through any kind of move. Um, he was happy to stay at Everton, wanted to win things at the club, and it shows the makeup of the man. And, and he's, he's back there now. He's, he's now the, the head coach of the under-18s. Uh, recently promoted into that role over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, he's, he's a player who, as I say, probably deserved a move to a, a top a top four side in the Premier League, and he, he would have won many, many honours and the only downside of, of his career really is that he didn't didn't win didn't win a trophy and that's 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 obviously really unfortunate because he was so loyal to the club but absolutely superb for Borough Leighton Baines and I'd argue with anybody that he was better than Ashley Cole. Um but Ashley Cole what what a talent. 
Um, I just think that England suited his game more, and the way England set up suited Ashley Cole more that did Leighton Baines. But Leighton Baines being at Everton was not fashionable, uh, and we know how we how it used to go for, for England in terms of the the sides. have got the the majority of uh, of picks for the England England team. But listen, what what a player! I could, I could talk about him all day. Absolutely love the man. No, absolutely. Your passion comes through there, Mike, as well. And yeah, I think it would be unreasonable for us to think that we'd go the entire uh, entire episode without one Everton player making a, an appearance, at least, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a guy who spent 13 years at, at a club is, you know, rarer and rarer these days. So, um, so yeah, I think it's a great pick. Uh, Scott, your views? Uh, firstly, I just said I really enjoyed listening to Mike there. I, I know how it feels when you've got a player at your club that you just love and you could go on about all day. And it was it was nice to hear that. I, I think I'm very happy to see Leighton Baines in our squad because for me, I think exactly as he said there, he could have got moved to a bigger club at any time. Uh, would have been any club in the top four would have been lucky to have him. Um, I think he's a fantastic left back. I really really liked watching Leighton Baines play. As he said, dead ball specialist, good cracking left peg on him. Um, I think he was a couple of times in the Premier League team of the year as well. I mean, just he, he was a very, very classy player, um, and he's just a, as well as that as well. He's a bit of a cult figure as well. Just the, he's a cool guy, you know. He's he's got the, the whole mod look and palling it about with Miles Kane and Bradley Wiggins and that. You know, what I mean, he's just he's one of these guys. It's just he was. If, I can imagine if you were a young Evertonian, that's who you wanted to be. Yeah, made the PFA Team of the Year twice. Um, it was also Everton's Players Player of the Season for three years, um, which I think uh, probably shows how highly regarded he is within that uh, within that dressing room, or at least within that dressing room at that time. Uh, Idi, your views on Leighton Baines? Yeah, I echo Scott's thoughts there. It's uh, nice to hear someone come on and talk about a player that played for their club with such passion, and that, that's the reason why we bring. Well, we're bringing on these um, guests so that when it comes to a player from their club, we can just hear how much it meant to them having them at their club. And Leighton Baines is probably the perfect example of that for an Everton player. Um, and and as you have said, dead ball specialist. It was there's three three kicks I can think of that come to mind. Two against West Ham in the same game, and I think the other one was against Newcastle. Um, and it was an absolute mile out, and he just hit it with such force but like perfect precision as well it was unreal and um, the kind of player who when he's stepping up to a free kick you always thought right there's a chance this is going in so it's worth watching um just a great player and as they've said he, he could have went to bigger clubs and he almost did go to a bigger club in 2019 when he was linked with rangers but ultimately it wasn't to be i guess um but in all seriousness another great player and um exactly the kind of conversation that we're looking for when we bring these guests on hearing them talk about the passion the only thing that i'm kind of slightly dismayed about mike is the sheer disrespect you've shown to duncan ferguson when you've said about potential players who could have made this all-time premier league 11 so i will be clipping this and sending it across to big dunk just so he knows what you think of him there's <laughs> a big, big big dunk was a an iconic figure of course he was um but you know, he's one of those one of those players where the club that he's at, you know, obviously, if you, if you watch the Rangers over the years as well, um, he was loved by the fans just just for the fact that he was an absolute lunatic as well, um, and, and and very very passionate. But unfortunately, you know, technically technically very very good, you know, but they say good good fish for a big man and and things like that. Um, but it, if we look at the players that 
make the team. Unfortunately, Big Dunk just just doesn't quite just doesn't quite surpass them. Unfortunately. I will say just to pick up on what Mike said, I think Leighton Baines, he was only about 34, 35 when he retired, wasn't he? I mean, he could have, he could have, he could have went on another couple of seasons. I think he retired have. quite young. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, at the time, we, we replaced him. Um, Luca, Luca Dina coming um, to, just, there was going to be a sort of change in the guard and Luca Dean settled very, very quickly um, under, under Marco Silva and Leighton Baines then gradually then found himself not getting much much gain time, but yeah, we were all a little surprised when he when he did retire. We thought maybe he might go move somewhere for a season and to get some game time at the back end of his career. But he was happy to hang up the boots and and get into coaching. Uh, but I mean, off, off the pitch, he's into that. Obviously, you mentioned the the, the music side, photography is really he's very very good at that. In, into a lot of like sort of yoga and mindfulness stuff. He's, he's just a a very very cool character, you know, yeah. and and some, someone who you'll see frequent bowls, seats in Liverpool, the, the the coffee shops and things like that. Him and Tom Davis are, are quite pally, and you know uh, the two of them are both into the photography, and he's just a very very down to earth down to earth fella. Yeah, great stuff. Alrighty, we're going to move on to the midfield now. Um, uh, Mike, your team's a four three three, I think at least. Um, so uh, this is the first of your three midfield players. To, to be fair, I would have more described it as a four-two-one-three. Sure. Yeah. Can go with that. Okay. Yeah, well, this, I, just because it's slightly different yeah. from our usual four-three-three. Mm. All right. Well, there, there's your hint for uh, a player two goes from now. Um, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's do the first of the uh, central midfielders then. Uh, this guy played for Milan, Juventus, Inter Milan, as well as two other Premier League teams. Uh, made 107 appearances for his country and scored six goals. Uh, any thoughts, Scott? Um, he played for Milan, Juve, and Inter. He did. I think he played in the Premier League now. <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm he did play in the Premier League as well. Like, we definitely covered that one off. God. Do you know what it is? I did not realise, well, I did realise, but I totally forgot he played for a second Premier League team. Mm. So if I was if I was actually guessing in this, I would have totally been thrown by that. <laughs> was, it, was it Man United and Chelsea he played for? Uh, oh. you're, you're wrong on both of those. <laughs> but right, okay, going, right. It's not. It's, I was, I was going to go for Veron there, but um, no, I'm going to have to concede this one. I'm afraid. That's quite all right. Uh, Mike, put him out of his misery. So the player who's going to sit, sit, I'd say, is the more of a holder midfielder who can break out is Patrick Vieira. Mm. There you go. Two appearances for Milan, which I wasn't even aware of uh, either. So, um, and yeah, came back in 2010, 2011 to play for Man City after, um, you know, first being in the Premier League with uh, Arsenal, where I think he had a fairly decent run. Uh, yeah, Mike, talk us through, uh, talk us through your pick here. Yeah, he, he was the, the central midfielder who, who had it all, in a sense. Um, again, part of a very, very successful side in that, that Arsenal side. Um, numerous battles with, with Roy Keane who makes a lot of people's uh, Premier League 11 as well 
But I think Vieira for me just just shady just because of it. It's, it's sheer. You know, he, he was up and down, very very athletic. Uh, I was think back those, those big long legs always nipping and getting uh, in the tackle and then breaking away with the ball. You know, so he, he was very very good defensively, but also very good carrying the ball and and in that transition from from defence uh, to attack as well. And you know, it was at a time as I say going back to the the battles with, with Roy Keane. That, that that's me when it was when the Premier League was at its at its very best. Almost you know th- those battles two two top sides in Arsenal and United, and you you look forward to. So those two sides competing, um, and what an absolutely fantastic footballer um, would make would make any any side. He'd walk into any side in the Premier League now as well. It's it's funny enough. It's it's a his attributes are exactly what Everton need in in our centre midfield at this moment in time, and we can't seem to find somebody to 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 sort of fit that that particular mould. But he would be absolutely ideal. Um, but someone who massively massively admired. Over the years, for for what he did at at Arsenal, um, well travelled as you mentioned, you know, played for some top sides in Italy, came back to the Premier League as well. Uh, fantastic for France, you know, won won numerous honours with them, um, and and a player who you'd look forward to 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 watching. I remember seeing him a lot of times at Goodison Park and absolutely just just bossed the midfield. It wasn't too difficult against Everton at certain times, to be honest, but. You know, such a such a, a huge player, uh, great leader, great captain, um, and you know, very very successful to boot as well. No, absolutely, uh, six times uh, PFA Team of the Year, um, which is pretty pretty good going. Uh, yeah, Scott, your uh, your views on Patrick Vieira? And Milan threw me. That was that was completely up. Um, I know that's a bastard. Yeah, that was a two appearances. Um, nah, I can't disagree with Big Patrick. Uh, like you said, the, the big long legs, it was just to be feet knacking in and just, I don't know, he just he seemed to break up play. Anytime any, you, you thought a team was going to start playing a bit of football against Arsenal, he just broke it up, slowed it down, kept the composure, could play a pass. Um, again, like you said, him and, him and Roy Keane having that rivalry, which again, I agree with, that was the best part of the Premier League to watch, just that era. Um, and no, I can't can't uh, can't speak highly enough of him. I think I think he's doing a good job as well with Palace as manager. Um, certainly like the fact he swung a boot at a fan as well. So yeah, <laughs> he, he certainly certainly ticks all the boxes for me, by Patrick. Yeah, I'm giving that. Very good, uh, Eddie. Any uh, any dissent? Any complaints about uh, Patrick Vieira's inclusion here, or uh, happy with that as well? No, I'm happy with that. Um, I, I echo the thoughts there that he's. A great midfielder for breaking up the play, just what you want sitting in front of you, back four. Um, kind of more thought of for that, kind of breaking up the play and for his, his hard man reputation. But as Scott said, he could play a pass, but had a good bit of skill on him as well. It was a number of his goals um, that he scored where involved a lovely bit of skill taking on a number of players and, and using a bit of pace as well. So he's someone who you would send out there with that kind of his role is to kind of marshal the midfield and just own it but also you knew that if it needs to be he would step up he would come forward he would make the break and he would he would look to get you a goal as well so I think it's a, a great choice um played in a very successful Arsenal team gave us an as the boys said a number of great battles between him and Roy Keane so just a really enjoyable player to watch and uh, look forward to seeing how he gets on as a manager as well uh, I like that choice really good one and great for France as well so yeah great 
lovely stuff. All right, let's move on to the other uh, centre opposite fielder then. Uh, this player played for three different Premier League teams, uh, as well as spending some time out on loan at Swansea City and uh, a season at New York City FC. Um, and he was born just down the road from where I live now. Um, so that's that's all I'm going to give you to get on, Scott. Oh, because yeah, I know what you love. Um... Can you not tell by my very distinctive accent? <laughs> <laughs> right, so I'm looking for somebody that was born in Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Bex. No, unfortunately not. Oh, he uh, went to Galaxy, what am I saying? <laughs> uh, what you were thinking of was uh, Frank James Lampard there, born in Romford, England. So he's an Essex boy, like me, obviously, with my Essex accent that I have. Um, yeah, Mike, talk us through uh, talk us through uh, Lampard's inclusion here. Well, football, obviously, our current manager, so that that all that gives me a little tick on the box as well. Um, but you know, must must be the the, the best centre midfielder the Premier League ever seen. Must be, you know, just just for the fact that the number of goals he scored, highest scoring. Uh, centre midfielder in the in the Premier League era. Um, again, you know, along with John Terry, part of a, a very very successful Chelsea side for many many years. Um, technically very very good. I mean, out, outside of the goals that he scored, you know, the, his eye for a pass was was absolutely exceptional. Um, and he, he he's someone I know plays. Um, one of the, the the key the key things to to him as as our manager is that players look up up to him as a you know as a former player what he actually achieved how good he was um, and straight away that that wins you wins you quite a bit of favour when you come into a new club um, people always have the the, the the arguments over over Lampard and Gerrard and there was no way I was putting Liverpool player in this in this side so that was not was not an argument for me but. Like I say, Lampard just for me is sheer stats alone as a as the best, the highest goal scorer in midfield in Premier League history should should get him into the side and you know what a what a player he was uh, would walk into any side in the Premier League at that time would walk into any side in the Premier League now when he was in his pomp um, just absolutely unbelievable unbelievable footballer definitely I mean three times here. PFA uh, player of the season um, and as you say uh, you know on the goals front the only uh, midfielder to have scored 150 goals um, or well 150 goals plus in the Premier League as well so um, so yeah quality undeniable and uh, you don't need to worry about the Gerrard thing because he's dead to us now anyway um, so that's that's fine um, so yeah Idi your uh, your thoughts on uh, on Frank yeah, the the eternal debate's always Lampard or Gerrard, isn't it? And uh, I've said a number of times on the programme, before Gerrard became our manager, I didn't particularly like him as a player. <clears throat> I, I couldn't deny his ability, but I didn't particularly like him. Um, and Lampard would always have been my choice. Sure, when Gerrard was Romandre, if we'd been recording then, I might have spoke a different uh, tale. Maybe he would have backed Gerrard a little bit more, but now he's gone and I can be honest again and, and say Lampard's the one that I would pick over the two. Um as Mike said, the, the goals that he's scored, the number of goals he's scored for a centre midfielder is just phenomenal. Um, and that's exactly what you 
what every team always hopes they can get is a midfielder who can also contribute with that level of goal scoring. Some we as Rangers fans have said a number of times we need someone in the midfield that can contribute goals and boy did he contribute them. Just an outstanding player. Um, I can't think of any controversy around him so and just off the top of my head he's a, a brilliant professional as well. Um gone into the management game like Vieira, so um, also managing the Premier League. So let's see how that battle goes on. Hopefully, uh, I'll peek behind the curtain. I don't mind Everton. Everton are one of the teams in the Premier League. I, I have a, I wouldn't say I would support them or anything like that, but I always have kind of a nice little look to see and like to see them do well. My cousin was a fan of Everton when we were younger. That was kind of his English team, so I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for them. And one of my earliest memories is watching the, the FA Cup uh, final between them and Man United when Daniel Amakachi played for Everton. So I always kind of had fond memories of Everton. So I'd like to see Lampard do well as a manager at Everton. But as a as a player, he was phenomenal. He was just absolutely outstanding. Everything you were looking for in a midfielder. So again, another great choice and another Man City midfielder to chuck in there for them, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Scott, your views? Just that they followed me to be the, the bearer of disagreement, but in that whole debate and I quite understand Mike not having Gerard in there but schools is schools hands down for me over the pair of them uh, I'm not saying I dislike Frank Lampard obviously he's I was a terrific attacking midfielder um, or central midfielder but we, we know we know he was a very attacking minded player like you said with the goal stats um, for me just I, th- I think, like I said, I just compare him too much to the likes of Paul Scholes. And for me, he was the greatest passer of the ball that's ever played in that league. Um, and I think I'm maybe going to be biased towards him. But I, I, I definitely do not rate him as a manager. Um, I sincerely hope Everton do well. And, and I, don't, I don't want to see Everton get relegated. Because um, they're, a, they're a, just a, a proper club in my eyes. Um, likes obviously seeing like, teams like Leeds come uh, in Forest and that come up in recent years that Everton's another team that's a stalwart you want to see stay there so I would disagree with Lampard's inclusion but that's only because I would put schools in ahead of him I've got controversy um, yeah I mean Mike what what's your thoughts on that on that debate between those two players then yeah schools just definitely definitely up there with me but I wanted I wanted to have that uh, for me that exit technical ability for Lampard. Scholes was very, very good and the argument goes beyond Gerrard and Lampard, of course. It doesn't, you know, some people Zidane always said Scholes was the best player that he ever played against. Um, but I, I just think, I just think for me, Lampard, Lampard just pipped it. And also, the player I've got ahead of these two in the in the tackle midfielder role, if you like, just behind the, uh, the, the, the central striker explains why I've, I've probably also put put Frank Lampard in there as well. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, yeah, you're number ten basically um, as your next player. Um, played for Ajax and Inter Milan, made 79 appearances for his country um, and scored 37 goals. Scott, any thoughts, guesses? Ajax and Inter Milan. Mm-hmm. Is it was this guy an out and out ten? I take it he wasn't. He, he wasn't a striker getting played at ten, or he's not. He's no. He's, he's, he was an out and out ten. I'll I'll leave that to Mike. I mean, you know, <laughs> how how he's wanted to position him here, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, you'd always just class him as a as a forward. Um, mm. I think he, he probably plays just plays better just behind just behind the striker. Can dictate play very very comfortably. Um, I'll throw in there that he's he's, a, he's also afraid of flying as a little clue for you. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> that was that was a lovely clue. I like that one. Um, and I'm absolutely no disagreements with you there at all. The non-flying Dutchman. Dennis Bergkamp. That's the one. So yeah, Mike, took us through uh, Dennis's inclusion here. Just an absolutely unbelievable footballer, wasn't he? I mean, it, I always go back to that goal he scored against Newcastle, that St James's Park, when he when he spins and flicks it, um, and just slots it home. I'd watched him many times up close and personal. Um, he was just an absolute magician. You know, he made things look easy. Uh, the relationship they had with the likes of Henri and players like that. And bear in mind, when he first came in, he, he really struggled to adapt, didn't he? He, he didn't score for, for quite a number of games. And I think Arsenal fans thought, what, what, have, we, what have we signed here? Um, but once once he settled and he got into his into his rhythm, just a just a super, you know, he was absolutely amazing to watch. I mean, and another player that you'd, you'd pay the admission money alone, the ticket money alone, just to go and watch him. He was that good, you know. So, but I think back even like in his area Arsenal career goals against Leicester at Filbert Street, just some absolutely cracking goals there. Goal for uh, for the Dutch against Argentina, France '98. He just had it added all, didn't he? You know whether it be his passing, um, whether it be the goals that he scored, technical ability, you know relationships with players around him. He was such a quick, quick thinking footballer as well. Uh, had a, obviously had a very successful career, um, but just one of those. When you think back, at, I, I look at the, the best players to ever play in the Premier League, and for me, Dennis Bergkamp has got to be in the top three uh, every single time that I, that I think about it. Just an absolute privilege to watch him the number of times that that that, uh, that I did do. Great stuff. Uh, yeah, Scott, uh, I'm guessing you've got some familiarity with uh, Burkamp, but yeah, um, what's, what's your views on his inclusion here? I had a hole in top for France 98 with Burkamp in the back. <laughs> uh, yes, I love Dennis Burkamp. Absolutely wonderful player. Um, as you said, that, that goal against Newcastle, that just sticks with you. Um, just the, the audacity to you, you would look at that and think, did he mean it? Of course he meant it. But to flick it with the outside of your boot, turn the other way and just round it, oh, unbelievable goal. Touch of class, world class for Dennis Bergkamp, I think was what Martin Tyler said. Um, and he'd done that throughout his whole career. Um, I think, I'm sure it was, it was Bruce Ryuk that signed him for Arsenal. And I, I, like he said, it took him a wee while to bed in. But I think the following season, it was uh, obviously Wenger coming in and they managed to get the best out of him. And for me, the day he left or the day he retired was when Arsenal became boring to watch again. I thought he was just he was he was the part he was the part of that team that gelled everything together. He just had that even laterally when he didn't play as much, he just he, he used class every time he was on the pitch and no very pleased to see him in, in the team and I'm very pleased to see him in a, a team so early in this series. Um, I don't think we got him in the old time elevens. But Premier League Without a shadow of a doubt, Dennis Bergkamp's up there. Yeah, Eddie, your uh, your views on uh, on Dennis Bergkamp? Yeah, great player. Um, he was absolutely phenomenal for Ajax even before he came to the Premier League. Um, I don't remember much of his 
time in at Milan, but I know when he was at Ajax, he was uh, up there in the voting for World Player of the Year, the Ballon d'Or at the time. I think he finished second and third in a couple of seasons. So just shows what kind of level of player he was. And then when he arrived at Arsenal, it was just like, for me, that was kind of when the Premier League really started to pick up and become the, the kind of entertainment league that it was over that kind of mid to late 90s early 2000s and he was just brilliant that goal against Newcastle um I remember it well because I, I was a previously before my kids were born Newcastle were kind of my second team um I, I supported them they were my English team I used to go to a lot of their games I've had season tickets to St James's Park as well because I lived down in Newcastle and enjoyed watching them so watched them growing up a lot as a kid as well as Rangers and I remember that goal well and it was uh yeah it was Nico Stabizas that he he turned with that flick and it was just watching it. I was like wow that was he's really done him there I'd say you, you can't deny a goal like that you've just got to even as the fan a fan of the team that's been scored against you've got to stand up and say well done that was a an absolute classic goal Um, it was just a, a phenomenal talent so much fun to watch and if you're going to have someone from the Premier League get her as a as your kind of number ten, you'll be hard pushed to find many arguments against Bergkamp in that role. Just a great player for Ajax. So, um, I'm assuming he had a great career in Milan, but I couldn't say for definite. But great career at Arsenal and was phenomenal for for Holland. Um, so yeah, brilliant choice. Good stuff. Alrighty, we're going to move on to the uh, forward line now. Um, I'm going to start with your right winger here, Mike. Uh, it's slightly out of the order that you've sent it in. Um, let's see. Played for one team in the Premier League. Uh, also played for Real Madrid and Juventus. I think that probably should be enough for uh, Scott to guess this one. But we'll see. We'll see. Cristiano. Mike, can you confirm or deny? Yeah, it, it certainly it certainly is, uh, and, and and potentially a surprise for some, um, because they always think we we maybe never saw the the best Ronaldo um, in his his early time at, at United. We don't include obviously as you say last season, but I'm going back to his early time at the at the club. Him and him and Wayne Rooney, the, the partnership they had, um, it was just absolutely exceptional. But Ronaldo. I think you know for this this young kid. If you think back when he first came in, this scrawny kid with with silly hair and things like that, and he came in with a, a decent reputation. Um, you know, he was full of full of flicks and and six. And I, I always uh, always think back to when when he played for Everton and they absolutely clattered Ronaldo at Old Trafford. It, went, it would have been a red card in this day and age, but let's see went right through. Um, but he was just absolutely unbelievable, wasn't he? You know. The pace, the pace that he had, you know, at, at that age, when he when he sort of grew uh, into into a man almost, and he was so quick, he was strong, unbelievable in the air. Um, some of the goals he scored from set pieces, that that figure against Portsmouth, wasn't it? Where he just he, that the, the knuckleball that he he sort of invented, if you like, where he just just hits it and it wobbles all over the place and goes in the top corner. Scored so many goals like that throughout his career. Um, but just just had, had it all really, you know, great finisher, you know, but it'd be one on one outside the outside the box. Um, as I say, great in the air, great in the round the air, great from six yards out, fantastic football brain. 
it's just a shame that we didn't see him at his best, which was probably in the, in the years he was at, at Real Madrid. Um, but I think we saw a very, very good Ronaldo. And it's a toss-up between him and him and Wayne Rooney. And, and I, I, was, I was close to picking Rooney, but based on the formation that I wanted to play, I always thought Rooney was that, that much better, a bit a bit sensible, a bit more sensible than playing off the right or off the left. Um, so it was between him and Wayne Rooney, but I just went for that, that sheer, just, just how, as an all-rounded footballer, how good he was at everything Ronaldo, he, he just got the nod from me. No, absolutely. I mean, we say he didn't see the best of him in the Premier League, but, uh, you know, he was player of the season two years in a row, um, won the golden boot. And I mean, even though you wanted to kind of dismiss that last season at Man U, I think you'd say he's probably the bright spot that they had. 30 appearances and 18 goals, um, you know, not bad for a 37 year old. Um, but yeah, uh, Scott, your your thoughts on Cristiano Ronaldo? I would agree with you there, Andrew. I'd say hands down, he's still the best player on that United team. Um, without a shadow of a doubt uh, one of the most gifted footballers that's ever played in the Premier League uh, like you said a joy, a joy to watch even just as a neutral uh, that free kick in Portsmouth lives rent free rent free in my head as well I'm pretty sure it was David James that just watched it going to the top corner shaking his head so yeah uh, he would always pull off something um, I think he matured a bit in the Premier League I think the likes of obviously Alec Ferguson and Walter Smith did get the best out of him uh, getting them to maybe rein in the, the step-overs and concentrate on beating a man and be able to take a wee kick here and there. So, uh, yeah, for me, I, I always usually side with Ronaldo in the Messi-Ronaldo debate and I, I can't see a Premier League 11 that won't have him in it, to be honest with you. Unless it's somebody that's adamantly not a Man U fan and refuses to put one player in. Yeah, I think we'll see when we get through to uh, some of the other pods we've got lined up. Uh, who's willing to overlook that? You know, uh, Iddy, uh, any disagreements there, or uh, or happy for Ronaldo's inclusion here as well? I think it's fairly impossible to disagree. Whether you like him as a person or not, you've got to put your hands up and just say his talent is absolutely unreal. Um, we've discussed him a few times. On the show, um, we've discussed the the Ronaldo the Me- uh, Ronaldo Messi debate and how Messi's probably the more naturally talented, but Ronaldo just completely gave his all to his craft and put so much effort in that for me, uh, I think he's the better of the two players because he's just worked and worked so hard at it that it just shines through. Um, I agree that he was probably the best player in that Man U squad last year. We, we've discussed it. Perhaps that's a little unfair that they were relying on a player of his age to keep them afloat, but he still did what he did. And, and if it wasn't for him, they would have been in a much worse place than they were. Um, his first stint at Man United, obviously he started off as a youngster um, with a few tricks and flicks, but then gradually grew into just a, an outstanding player who was always looking for a goal no matter what. And as you said, he had a, a couple of golden boots, was, in, was player of the year a couple of times just a outstanding talent to watch and I, I think we've been very blessed to be able to watch him play over the last kind of 20 years um, and if anyone has any real argument against including Cristiano Ronaldo in an all-time Premier League 11 I'd love to hear it. Yeah I think it's 
would be a bold choice to leave him out, as uh, as you guys have said. Um, but we shall see. You know, that's uh, what this whole thing's for. It's uh, the debate and uh, and disagreements that we're we're looking to get into. So we shall see how we go. Um, let's switch over to the other side now and take a look at your left winger here. Um, played for Monaco, Juventus, Barcelona, and just one Premier League team. Um, made 123 appearances for his country and scored 51 goals. Uh, Scott, what do you think? I heard a certain vavavoom about him, I think. <laughs> we we. Uh, Mike, can you confirm? Yeah, Thierry Henry, the uh, the best player to ever play in the Premier League, in my opinion. Um, absolutely sensational footballer. You know, he, he, now I know Ronaldo had everything. Henry for me was just a little bit ahead of Ronaldo in terms of what he had. You know, you, you look at the games that Henry won on his own. Um, you know, it pace was was out of this world. I always remember that time when he knocked the ball past Jamie Carragher, ran off the pitch at Anfield, went around him, came back on, and he was that fast. He beat him to the ball, no problem. Um, and that was in a in a two old world for Arsenal at, uh, at Anfield, but. Never seen a player like him. Um, never, I don't think we'll see a player like him again in the Premier League. I know we've had many good players pass through since his time, but it was just just unbelievable. You know, the, the goals that he scored. Um, a shame in a way that he that he went to he went to Barcelona because I think he he would have been the one to to really really threaten the the goal scoring record, the Premier League goal scoring record. He would have hung around a little bit longer. When he came back, it, his best years were, were certainly certainly behind him. Um, but most definitely the, the the best player I've ever seen in the Premier League here on the had everything. You know, again, set pieces, penalties, and the absolute that he scored in the Premier League as well. Um, he just rips sides apart every single week. He would rip sides apart week in week out. Absolutely loved loved watching him. You know, there's no surprise that he was. He was so appreciated by opposition fans. I think it was Portsmouth fans who, who applauded him off the pitch. Now I'm, I'm not a big fan of applauding opposition players off the pitch when they've they've just beaten your your team. But he was a player who, who deserved every single applaud that he, that he got uh, when he when he played in the Premier League for Arsenal. And as I say, the best player for me to ever grace the league. That's a, I think it's a great pick. Um, you know six. Uh, Six years running, one was in the uh, PFA team this other season. So I mean, I don't think there's any disputing his quality, but I'm certainly willing to let Idi uh, give it a go if he wants. Nah, I'm not going to argue against Henry <laughs> being included in the team. Brilliant player, loved watching him. Um, I think Mike's probably right. It's something I've never thought of before, but perhaps it would have been nice to see him stick around and not head to Barcelona to see him score more goals and kind of break that record for the goal scorers in the Premier League. But again, you can't argue with a player of his quality going to a team like Barcelona and going on and doing what he did there. Um, but he was phenomenal for Arsenal, the real kind of figurehead in that period where they just became an absolute unbeatable team. Um, a real joy to watch. Bolts and bolts of pace, just Unreal could run forever and, and just you wouldn't be able to catch him at any point. You could start fresh. He could have been running for half an hour nonstop and he still would out, out sprint you. So um, a lot of skill as well and a, and a great eye for goal. Um, again, I'd, I would love to hear an argument 
against having him in a team. I can't think of one. I uh, wouldn't even know where to begin looking for an argument against Henri being in the team. So I can't argue with this pick at all. Maybe Scott will have the, the answer to that one. You're certainly not going to get any arguments for me. <laughs> uh, absolutely love Terry Henri. Uh, Can I just add as well, sorry. Um, also loved him for France and particularly that goal that got them to the, the World Cup. No, Terry Henri can't really say much again. Apart from the English League Cup, the man has won it all. Um, he's won the league, he's won the FA Cup, he's won the World Cup, he's won the Euros, he's won the Champions League with Barca. You don't win all that if you're not an unbelievable player, and he just was. Um, I can see the thinking, him and Bergkamp linking up lovely in this squad, so that's, yeah, that's that's pinnacle of classic Premier League football. That's like turning on Premier League years and just watching a nostalgic bit of good football. Um, nah, I, I, I can't say a bad word about Thierry Henry, and also I love him as a pundit. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, you're not going to get any argument out of me either. I think he's a quality player and, and definitely a worthy inclusion here. Um, and we're down to just the final player now, the striker. Um, this one was a little bit tricky to work out because um, all of the teams that he played for um, have been in the Premier League at a certain point. But the only time that he played for a team that wasn't in the Premier League uh, is Southampton. Played for two other teams which were in the Premier League when he was playing for them. Um, made 63 appearances for his country and scored 30 goals. Scott, what do you think? Striker that played for Southampton. Uh, along, for, with, along with two other Premier League teams as well, which I'm not going to give you. Two Premier um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I did play for yeah, Southampton. Scott. Ah, he did play with. He did play with. Him. Uh, he also won the league with Blackburn Rovers. Yeah. Mhm. Hi, how are you, man? Shira. Uh, I think Mike, you can confirm that is the case. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can't leave Mouse. You know, as the as the Premier League's leading time, uh, leading time, leading all, all time goal scorer, you've got to you've got to put Alan Shearer in there. You know, um, a You know, and and the frightening thing is. If he didn't have the injury problems he had with his knees, he, he, he would have gone on to probably probably break the under goal mark in the Premier League. He was that he was that good, you know, straight in the air as we know. Um, and I think his I think his face and his head tells how good he was in the air as well. Um, could strike a ball with the best of them. He scored probably his best goal in his well certainly his Newcastle career against Everton that volley at St James's Park. Uh, I think it was past uh, Richard Wright. Um, unbelievable goal. Uh, but he had, he, had, he had that in his locker. Great, great from six yards out. Take great in the air. Could strike a ball with, with the uh, with the best of them. You know, take free kicks, penalties. Um, he, he broke that, obviously, that long-standing record for, for Newcastle as well to be there. All-time leading goal scorer. Uh, great for his country. Great partnership with, with, uh, with Teddy Sheringham. Um, he was just the, the all-round striker, wasn't he? You know, who, who had it all. wasn't wasn't especially quick, but his football brain again. You know, he could his movement was very very good. He could steal half a yard or a yard just because of his his, his football and brain. He had the all the movement that a top top level striker needs. And the, the only thing really with with Shearer again, you know, he, he could have gone to Man United before he went to um, to Newcastle. 
and he spent a long, long time at his at his Boyle club when I know obviously he won, he won a Premier League title with Newcastle, but, but could have won so much more and deserved to win so much more based on on how good he was and, and certainly the best the best striker in the Premier League the Premier League year. You know, there's no one there to challenge him. Obviously, Rooney got fairly close, um, and and Rooney was another generational talent, but you know the only one really who's going to get close to Shearer in the sort of near future will be will be Harry Kane if he if he sticks around in the Premier League. But say Alan Shearer was the the all round striker um, and couldn't be left out just just for the sheer fact of the number of goals that he scored. No, definitely. I mean, team of the year seven times um, for the for the top flight. Um, as you say, he's still the top goal scorer of all time. Um, most goals in a season, most penalties scored, you know, most goals scored from inside the box, most goals in a single match. All these records um, are still held um, despite him retiring a, a good few years ago at this point. Um, but yeah, uh, Scott, your views on uh, Shira? I love this pick. Um, cannot argue, like you said, probably still the greatest striker that's played in the Premier League, and the figures speak for themselves. Um, a, a right man's man, an old-fashioned striker. It was always any time a ball came into a box, you just knew he'd find a way of trying to get his head on it. But again, I, I, I like how Mike picked that one up, and that, when he said Sheeran, I was just like, God, his best goal probably was against Everton. So uh, I think we all remember that volley. Um, but uh, he, like you said, he had that in his locker. Um, I think I've got a bit of, a bit of respect for him. See, see, much along the lines of your one club men and things like that. See your boys who go on to pick their boyhood team over. I mean, you look at his, you look at his trophy cabinet. He's got one Premier League medal and a runners-up for the FA Cup or something like that. Um, he sacrificed the, the trophies to go and try and win them with his hometown club, and we all know that that season they came very close, but. I mean, he, he would have rather played for them than gone on to probably any club in the world at that time would have wanted to have Alan Shearer playing up front and just an old-fashioned number nine uh, in the epitome of a great striker. Yeah, I've got the feeling it's not going to be the first time he makes an appearance uh, on this series, but Iddy, your views on uh, on Alan Shearer? Listen, I live about six miles from a statue of the man. I'm not going to put any argument forward against him, uh, mainly for fear of my own life if I do if there's any Geordies listening but he, he was a, an absolutely phenomenal striker as Scott said a, a proper number nine I mean just to put into context how um, how good he was as a striker when he signed for Newcastle they already had Les Ferdinand who had been brilliant for Newcastle he'd been absolutely fantastic and he wore the number nine and Shearer came in and it was like yeah the number nine's got to go to Shearer. Sorry, Les, you've got to pick a new number. There's not many players can come into a club where they've already got an established phenomenal striker and that striker has to give up their number for him. I mean, I suppose you could say Man United and Cavani had to give up number seven, but he hadn't exactly hit the heights for Man United that Ferdinand had with Newcastle. Um, that goal against Everton, as Mike said, probably the best of his career. Oh, um, absolute wonderful volley from a felt like a million miles out um, probably when you rewatch it it's not that far but it was still an absolutely tremendous strike brilliant with with his head 
Um, if he was taking a penalty, if you wanted one person taking a penalty, it was Shearer because you just knew that he was going to hit it and it was going in no matter what. He hit it with such power, but yet such precision that it was always into the corner out of the keeper's reach. Um, ended up being captain for the team because um, he, he led with his own passion and helped the team understand what it meant to play for, for his hometown club. And a, a guy who was as far as I can see, a, a great judge of character as well, because he didn't like um, didn't like Joey Barton, didn't like Michael Owen, and kicked Neil Lennon in the face. So, as far as I can see, he was a great judge of character. So, for me, there's absolutely no argument against having the man in your lineup. No, absolutely, uh, <laughs> I think that's uh, quite right, Eddie. Um, but yeah, Mike, I mean, final thoughts then, not only on Shearer, but your team overall, like what, what was the thinking behind, you know, the inclusion of some of these players and, um, and what you were kind of trying to build here with your, with your best 11? I think it's a, a very, very front footed side, to be honest. Um, even looking at the midfield, if you were talking about, about Vieira as the, as the whole the midfielder, like I said earlier on, he could quite comfortably carry the ball out and, and join up with the with the attack as well. So it's very much a side that would look to to control the uh, the speed of the speed of play, have the the bulk of the possession, and would be absolutely frightening to watch. I think as well, but certainly score a lot of goals. Um, and I would challenge any side to to try and to try and beat it as well. Um, you know, so very very much it's a, it's when you kind of side for me, it's going to be entertaining. Entertaining side football is, is an entertaining sport, and it, it's for, for the spectators. And you know, we don't want to be watching uh, a side that's difficult to beat when we've got the pick of all the players that have passed through the Premier League. So that was my thinking. Front, front uh, football, control a game, score lots of goals. Simple as that. No, I don't think there's going to be any disagreement there. This uh, this team's certainly going to score some goals. Um, that is for sure. Um, well, that's it. Um, we hope uh, everyone listening has enjoyed the episode. Uh, all that's left me to do is to thank my two regular co-hosts first. Uh, first of all, Idi, thanks so much, mate. No, thank you for a perfect hosting session once again, Andrew. Um, it was really enjoyable to get this new season kicked off and starting with our Premier League show. Um, big thank you to, to Mike for coming on. It was great to hear your team and the reasonings behind it. It's been a really enjoyable show to record. Thank you. Uh, and thank you to Scott as well. Yeah, I'm just confirming that I take that 9-0, don't I? Um, there's only two that I didn't get there, having not seen the team. <laughs> but uh, no, thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, thanks to Mike for coming on. Um, always good to have a, a head from a, a person more involved with another football club that we don't know so much about or personally. So, um, yeah, although at the start I did think he was maybe off the Red Devils podcast we starting for, but... Um, nah, got, we got there in the end um, and a great team and thoroughly enjoyed talking through it uh, yeah I mean just to echo what the two boys have said Mike again it was a real pleasure to have you on um, everyone listening highly recommend you check out the Unholy Trinity Everton podcast I'm sure you guys are going to have plenty to talk about this season hopefully some uh, some good times as well as you know maybe some not good, so good times but uh, thank you very much for uh, for giving up your time for this mate yeah, well, come on, so I really, really enjoyed enjoy doing something a little bit different as well. You know, obviously, Everton's my forte, but it's it's good to think outside the box a little bit and discuss other players from other teams uh, that, that I've, uh, I've appreciated over the years as well. 
No, absolutely. So uh, again, thank you to everyone for listening. If you're not subscribed, please do so. Um, helps confirm, you know, what we're doing is, uh, is good and that you're enjoying it. And uh, yeah, until the next time, um, thanks again for listening.